Hi friends, this is Yolando. I am away on vacation, so for the next two weeks, Kate and I are sharing a couple of our sermons with you. This week we're sharing one of my sermons, and next week one of Kate's. We hope these messages are a blessing to you. Friends, hear now the word of God from 1 John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever had the experience of being surprised by the very words that were coming out of your own mouth. Have you ever had the experience of talking and it seemed as if you were also outside of yourself observing and listening to yourself? I mean, you're talking and you're listening to yourself talk as if you were listening to another person. I had that happen to me last week in a meeting with the elders of Dorada Church. Just before the meeting started, we had some informal conversation, and one of the elders graciously said something about me smiling in this season. And it was as if by reflex, without thinking about what I would say in response, what came out of my mouth was, I always have hope for the future. I always have hope for the future. I know it sounds strange, but I got excited about hearing myself say those words. Those words came from a deep, deep place within me, and they just flew out unplanned in that moment. I always have hope for the future. In spite of everything that's going on in the world, I always have hope for the future, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of not being with you in person in worship for more than a year, in spite of the resurgence of racism in our society, in spite of another black person being killed by the police, in spite of another mass shooting, in spite of the stress, in spite of the strain and the struggle of these times, in spite of it all, I always have hope. And I want you to understand that my hope is not based on wishful thinking. My hope does not come from some general sense that everything is just going to work itself out. My hope 
comes from Jesus. I believe that Jesus truly bodily rose from the dead and that he is right now seated on the throne of heaven and that there is not a man or woman on the earth. There's not a demon in hell that can stop what Jesus plans to do on the earth and in my life. I always have hope for the future. I spoke those words to church elders on Monday night. Monday morning, I had sat at my desk and read the word from 1 John 3 that we just read a moment ago. This scripture was in my spirit. And in that moment with the elders, it came out as hope. You see, there are similarities between our time and the times in which 1 John was written. In the days of 1 John, there were many different groups saying many different things, all claiming to have the truth. Even in the church, there were different groups and different factions saying different things, all claiming to have the truth. And people struggled. They struggled to know what was right and what was wrong, what was true and what was false. Not only that, Roman society could be very violent. I mean, they publicly crucified people. Roman society made it clear that some lives were disposable, some lives mattered more than others. And for many, Rome, behind its beautiful buildings and marble columns, was like an evil beast that couldn't be stopped. And when Christians refused to pledge allegiance to Caesar and bowed their knee for Jesus alone, well, the beast turned its violence toward believers. Around the year 90 AD, the Apostle John wrote this letter we know as 1 John to encourage believers, to give them hope in what seemed like hopeless times, and to encourage them. The Apostle John emphasized some basic, some very basic yet very powerful truths from the gospel. And as I meditated on the scripture from 1 John 3, I said to myself, this is why I still have hope. So let's go back to the Word of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The first reason I have hope, I still have hope, is because God loves me and you. No matter what's going on in the world or in life, you are held secure in the love of God. God will not let you go. The Bible says in Romans 8 that nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 1 of our scripture says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The Apostle John said, See. That is, pay attention to this because this is important. This changes everything. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I like the New King James Version, which says, Behold what manner of love. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word behold, I think of a loud trumpet fanfare announcing something great. Behold. Bum, 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 bum. And the Bible often uses that word behold to, to talk about some revelation of God. In Isaiah 7, it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. 1 John chapter 1, verse 29, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, 
He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, when the angel announced to the shepherds the good news of Jesus' birth, the angel said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Behold, behold, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. You know, sometimes when we speak of the love of God, we speak about God's love as a given like it's a common, ordinary thing, as if to say, of course God loves us. And yes, it's God's nature to love. The Bible says that God is love, but God's love is no common, ordinary thing. The word the Bible uses is agape. It is self-loving or self-giving, self-sacrificing uh, love given to those who don't even deserve it. And listen, you haven't started to understand the love of God until your heart is astonished, amazed, and overwhelmed by how good it is. And of course, the ultimate expression of God's love is in Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This divine love has power. It has power to change you. God's love takes hard-headed, hard-hearted, rebellious people like us and makes us royalty in God's house. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Listen, there are two ways to enter into a family. You can be born into it or adopted into it. God does both with you. When you receive God's love by receiving God's gift of Jesus Christ, you are born again. You are born from above. You are born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you. This is what Jesus was talking about when he told Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom. The Bible says in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Not only are you born again, born into the family, you are adopted into the family. Romans 8 verses 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, friends, think about it. If you are God's child, what do you have to worry about or fear? It can't be money. Your father owns everything. It can't be knowing which way to go. Your father has all knowledge and wisdom. It can't be ability. Your father has all strength and power. Perhaps you heard the story about the lady who was doing a search for her birth mother, and she discovered that she was the half-sister of Oprah Winfrey. Now, although she did not exploit the story for money, you got to know, at some point, she did a happy dance, knowing that her half-sister was one of the richest 
people in the world? Now, if that's true of her, what about being a child of God? I always have hope for the future because I know that God's love given to me through Jesus has made me his child. God is not going to leave me. God is not going to abandon me. God is going to protect and provide. God is going to give me favor and make a way where there seems to be no way. I always have hope because God loves me. Second, I always have hope because Jesus is coming again. The one who was crucified, the one who rose in victory over death, the one who is right now seated on heaven's throne is coming again. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes again, he's going to create a new earth. He's gonna renew creation. He's gonna make earth new. He's going to fix everything broken by the fall of Adam and Eve. There will be no more pain or sickness or death. There will be no more war or sin or evil. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. Everything will be made new. Everything will be made new, including us. Verse two of our scripture says, dear friends, now we are children of God and that and what we will be <laughs> has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When Jesus comes again, we will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. When we see him, we will be changed to be like him. We will be reflections of his purity and holiness. It will be so glorious and wonderful that our minds can't fully understand what we will become. The Bible says we will be like Jesus. So, no matter what's going on in the world or in life, the best is yet to come. No matter what's going on right now, what's coming is glorious. No matter what happens, we have this Christian hope. This hope is the expectation of his return. This hope is the anticipation of seeing him. This hope is the promise of being made new. This hope is the promise of living in a world made new. And this hope, this hope anchors my soul in hard times. This hope gives me joy. This hope causes me to lift my eyes to the hills, knowing that my help comes from the Lord. This hope renews my strength. This hope assures me that goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This hope is my destiny. It's my destiny, and it's the destiny of all who trust in Jesus. Now, this does not mean we just sit around and accept and embrace the sin in our lives. This does not mean we ignore injustice in society. Verse 3 of our scripture says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We're not sitting around waiting for pie in the sky by and by when we die. No, because we have God's love, because we know Jesus is coming again, we pour ourselves into, we reach for, we strive for 
holiness in our own lives and in society. We work on the character of our own hearts and for justice in the land. We do this knowing that the fight is fixed in our favor, for Jesus has already won the battle. He has the name that is above every name. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My hope, friends, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.